where I talk to fascinating, creative people who do all sorts of different things for a pretty long time. If you're new, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you keep listening. I've been doing this since 2013. There are over 200 and some episodes. This is actually a great episode to be our 222nd because my lucky number is 222s, 22 all of the above. I really like twos. So this week I have musician Trevor Hall on the podcast. We talk about relationships being mirrors, his relationship with his wife. We talk about decision making, which is something that I've been really struggling with. We talk about Saturn returns, creativity. We talk about surrender quite a bit. It's just a really great conversation. Trevor is a delight. I'm really glad he got to do the podcast. I'll tell you how I was introduced to his music in the episode, so I'll just wait for that. But first of all, if you have been listening for a long time, and if you're new and you want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to subscribe however you're listening and share this podcast with a friend. It's really easy to do that if you're in the Apple app. You can just you guys know how to use a phone, but basically there's this button and you can just send an episode to a friend. So if you know someone who loves Trevor's music or you think might love Trevor's music or him as a person, or this episode made you feel less alone or inspired you, or just you want to share it, that would be really cool. Also leaving a review on iTunes helps. And yeah, I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much for listening. And okay, so I mentioned last week and the past couple that I'd been working on something and I told you about LaunchPod, it's a thing that I made and I'm, I'm really proud of it. I, I kind of was in a cocoon all winter working on this project, which is an online workshop that helps other people learn how to not learn how to podcast. It does do that, but also like take a creative idea and make something from it. So it takes you through everything from coming up with an idea, naming it, getting it to iTunes, the technology, the microphones, recording, all of that. And then also interviewing the, that's my favorite part of it. There's a module around that that's way longer than all the others because I just loved making it so much. And then also monetizing it and eventually having sponsors. And I give away all of the email templates of how I reach out to guests and Excel trackers and same for sponsorships. So there's all of that information, but that's like the worst part of it. The best part of it is that I talked to over 12 other podcasters. Other people opened the kimono on how they started their podcast. Everyone from Jess Mernan, Jess Lively, so many people who I really genuinely love their podcasts were really open with me. The girls from Being Boss, the girls from Not So Retrograde. And it's it's probably the thing I'm most proud of that I've created. And and I, I love my book, but I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling I love that book and you should read it if you haven't. Check it out. But I'm feeling further and further from it. And what's really inspiring to me right now is making this podcast. And I want to keep doing this. I want to make another podcast. I'm actually leading an event tonight at The Wing, the co-working space I work from in New York, 
a panel about podcasting because I love this so much. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you guys about that. If you want to sign up for it, do it now because there's an early bird deal situation where the price is going to go up. It starts June 4th just because we want people to sign up now and get in now so we can, you know, just like you want people to RSVP for your party. It's just that. That's all. Um, But if you want to save $100, you can by being a listener of this podcast. So use the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's LETITOUT. And that's it. That's really all I have to say. If you want to start a podcast or you know someone, check it out. If not, no biggie. Get on to this episode. Hopefully you already 15 seconded through. But thank you for letting me talk about it because I genuinely am really excited about it. And oh, there's one more thing about it. I think I said this last week, but there's a contest associated with it. So to get people to actually make a podcast after they do the course, I am picking one. You can submit a full episode or 30 second clip that will air on this podcast channel, which will be really cool. That's all I want to say. I love you guys. I love this episode with Trevor. I'll talk to you at the end. Bye. This episode is brought to you in part by something I use and love called Acuity Scheduling. It's like a personal assistant for your schedule, only better. With Acuity Scheduling, people can quickly view your calendar in real time and from your availability, select the date and time that works best for them to meet with you. They can even pay in advance if they're booking a session with you and they can cancel or reschedule on their own without having to clog your inbox. With Acuity, you can instantly schedule with real-time availability, meaning no double bookings and no more wasted time. You can set up automatic confirmations and reminders, and what I love most is that you can customize the colors and add your logo. Everything looks super sharp. To try it out, you can get an extended 45-day trial when you sign up totally for free at acuityscheduling.com slash let it out to get that 45 five-day free trial, go to Acuity Scheduling slash Let It Out. This week's episode is supported by something called Fit Fab Fun. It's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but has a value for over $200. I don't even know how they do that, but that's amazing. And if you use the coupon code let it out, that's let it out, you can get $10 off your first box, which you'll find at www.fitfabfun.com. I think it's a really interesting concept. It's really cool. This Fit Fab Fun box feels like Christmas four times a year when it comes in the mail. And the products include everything from makeup to candles, accessories, self-care products like a massage roller, travel products, beauty finds. It's really great and you can customize the products, add on what you want each season. It's different and it's a surprise. And the thing that I really love is the membership also includes access to FitFab Fun TV, which has a variety of workouts and meditations that you can do anywhere. And I love that because I love to do workout videos at home. I think it's so much fun and I really like FitFab Fun and I think you guys will too. 
just check it out. Again, you can get $10 off your first box by using the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's let it out. And the items include everything from Tarte Makeup, which is a natural makeup line I like, Juice Beauty, which you know I also really love. There's so many great things in there. It's really fun and I think you guys will really like it. Thanks, FitFabFun. Well, thanks okay. for doing this. We're really just going to be chatting like we are right now, so it's pretty organic and informal. That's how I like it. Cool. <laughs> well, I like kind of starting in the present. So what have you been learning, contemplating, realizing super recently, like in the last week or even day? Um, a lot. <laughs> I'm in like, I, I feel like I'm like in this crazy uh like I don't not like crossroad but almost just a lot of stuff happening just with our you know with our music and project and trying to get it out there and with that though comes you know music is such a a tool um, meditation for my own self and my own growth really um so with that comes a lot of self-growth and um but really in the last couple days it's it's been kind of the theme for like a while maybe months or a year but in the last couple days it's really come to a head point for me where it's all kind of coming together about um two main things really are surrender and speaking my truth, um, which is kind of a self-discovery, you know, type of process at the same time. So that's kind of the main thing. It can be scary to surrender. It can be scary to speak your truth. But um, when all the signs are pointing to that, (laughs) there's no other way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, how do you remind yourself? I don't know if this is a question that can be answered easily, but how do you remind yourself to surrender? Because I think that's like, I don't know, I've said this before, and I I think this is true, that I feel like every type of traditional practice or religion even or, you know, therapy, like it's all to try to help us as humans Mm -hmm. with the fact that we can't control everything and we, Mm -hmm. even though we try and, and that, that exact piece of work of of surrendering so how do you remind yourself to do that i guess well i think it's i think you know life kind of it it, it almost forces us to surrender you know or each experience uh, different experiences that we have you know we can either you know hang on you know, or um, or open our hearts and surrender. And so it's for me, it's not so much a question of um, like being reminded because I don't think surrender is like something that you can just like learn, right. you know, like, oh, I'm going to read about it and then I'm going to do it. You know, surrender comes from living and experience and actually walking on your own path, you know. And for me, every time I think I've understood like what surrender is or like 
being be like oh i'm i'm surrendered you know like yeah. I'm, I'm good i'm like i'm surrendered something happens where it, it knocks you back on your butt you know and you're mm-hmm. humbled and you're like whoa like i am not surrendered you know i have not surrendered i need to open up even more and more and more and it's like this ever ever growing continual process of checking in and and um letting go and i think a lot of us i mean for me i you know i think i've had this misconception of like surrender as like kind of being complacent Mm. you know like i think that's a common misunderstanding for us where we're like oh i'm just gonna i'm surrendered you know i'm not gonna do anything you know um and so kind of learning that that's maybe not what surrender is you know and um kind of like i guess reprogram rewiring my own brain you know and my own heart as to what that means and yeah uh, it's that's been a really interesting journey last last few months few days like this yeah it's interesting that that you brought that up because i was having kind of a weird day with that today in fact and I had this mantra, I guess, or just this line that's mm-hmm. definitely not mine come into my head, which I'm sure is like a cliche. It's probably like on T-shirts, but it's true. But it's like what we cling to hurts us. Mm-hmm. And that when you let go, you know, the universe can conspire t- to figure things out for you better than like us clenching, which is definitely my default thing to do. And I think a lot of people. And when you were talking about like, how surrender isn't something you just read about in a book and like apply to your life it's not mo- like mm-hmm. most of these kind of lofty concepts that we talk about which i so wish that they were even though that's true it doesn't make it less annoying that you know you can't just like apply it and put it on like a new outfit you have to you have to like <laughs> fall into it and yeah but i do think that and I, i'm curious to to hear what you think about this so Something that really helped me last week, I heard, I'm pretty sure this is a Ramdas quote, but he says this thing about how knowledge and kind of like what we we're talking about, like reading it in a book or something mm-hmm. can actually be a way in, but it's like you're using one thorn to get rid of another thorn, which is... Oh, that's Sri Ramakrishna said that. Oh, yeah. And that, that, yeah, yeah. it really like hit me hard <laughs> because I yeah, feel yeah. like it's kind of been my way in is to... Like learning the information makes me feel like I'm doing something, but really yeah. I need to learn it and then get it out of my mind and apply it. Have you to talk about Very that? Yeah, Sri Ramakrishna said that. He said like knowledge is, you know, you have a thorn in your foot, mm-hmm. right? And that thorn is ignorance, right? And you use another thorn to get that thorn out, right? And mm-hmm. that you use the thorn of knowledge to get it out. But then you don't keep the thorn of knowledge, you know, you throw both out, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very beautiful. Really helpful, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that's kind of what, like, my journey has been the last couple of years is with, with my new project, The Fruitful Darkness, and that's kind of, like, what I kind of went through of this kind of, and 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 I'm still going through, you know, of you know studying for so many years and learning, 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 and um, and kind of like 
basing my personality and my ego like off all these different things, you know. And then I had this moment a couple of years ago where I started to feel like these things were all slipping away from me. And I had no connection with these things anymore. And all these things that I based my whole person on now were like leaving me in a way. And it was very scary because I based, you know, my whole like, oh, this is who I am. This is who I am. But then that thing would go and I'd be like, oh, well, who am I? Who am I? And it was a very, it was a period of just like, I have no idea who I am. I've learned all these things, right? I've based my my journey off these things. And now I feel alone. But it was in that raw state, that beautiful raw state of me being kind of stripped apart for me to really go into my own truth and say, who am I? Who am I? And not be afraid and turn in and face that uh, darkness, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then slowly, slowly, I, all these things started coming back to me, but I had a different relationship with them now. It was a much more open, clear relationship. Um, and I felt even more connected than I did before when I thought I was so connected, oh, you know, like this. So it's that period, I think, of where we have to, we learn all these things. And, and again, like I was saying earlier, like it just happened naturally. You know, it, it just, it just, the process happened and I went through it and that was that. So there was this element of surrender, um, where, you know, there's whatever you want to call it, great spirit or God or love, you know, that there's something working, you know, there's something working. I think when we look back on our lives, like, I think we all have certain experiences where we're like, oh, how did that happen? That was like perfect timing. Even like this horrible thing that happened to me, that really was perfect for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that kind that surrender, you know, hey, the strings of my life are in, you know, that spirit's hands, you know, that that is it's a deep state, you know, and it's just a constant process of going deeper and deeper into that state for me for me at least I I don't want to speak for everybody yeah no I relate to that at least speaking for myself can you get into some of the specifics of what you lost and what you found again was this your Saturn return yeah so my Saturn return so my Saturn return everybody's Saturn return is different depending on where your Saturn sits. Yeah, can you maybe define it for people listening who maybe don't, yeah, know, so, I don't know that much about it? Yeah, so Saturn return is is when, you know, we're all born and we all have our astrology, right? You know, we're like, hey, I'm a Leo or you're a Sag or like this, mm-hmm. you know? But, but there's so... I'm a it's Taurus. Such, you're a Taurus, very yeah. good. So there's so much deeper, it goes so much deeper than that, right? Because there's where all the planets sit at the time of our birth is called our chart, right? Venus, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, all these things come into factor 
and we're built in this way, you know. And each planet is in, is kind of governing a certain area of our lives, right? So Saturn is the planet. It's kind. It's a tough planet. My f- teacher kind of refers to Saturn as like the high school principal of the zodiac, you know, like behind his desk like this. But it's the planet of life lessons. And wherever Saturn sits at the time of our birth, it determines what we've kind of come to learn in this life, right? What we need to kind of learn in this incarnation. So my Saturn was in Sagittarius in the first house, right? And so a Saturn return is when we go through our lives, right? The planets are turning around like this. And Saturn return is when Saturn returns to the exact point, exact position of when you were born, right? And it, it's usually, there's kind of two big ones. There's one when, when you're like 27 to 30, and the next one is from like 58 to 60 like this. So it can be kind of a tough time, but it can be a time of great learning and great, you know, understanding. So my Saturn return, it had to do with self-discovery, really. And it's really kind of the theme of my life. I'm always one to seek my own truth and find out who I am in the deepest sense. So my Saturn return, all these things that I kind of based myself off of, like these belief systems or um, relationships with different yogis and saints like this, it, it for some reason it, it, it all kind of felt so far away. And I realized I was I was really basing so much of my uh, beliefs and, and things off these different people, but which is fine, which is good. But I never really asked, like, I kind of suppressed, like, what I really felt and what I really believe in, despite, you know, with no other influence like this. And that's, in in the beginning, it was very scary because it was so dark. And I, again, I felt like I didn't know who I am, you know, because we base ourselves off of different things. And when those things disappeared, I felt really lost and really alone and not connected to anything and my Saturn return was that process of of going inside and and listening to my own self and and trying to speak my own truth and build my my person in that way in that sense yeah what things came out of that is it is it kind of your your new album, your new work, creatively, relationship-wise, like spiritually, what would you say were some of the, I guess, not to be cheesy, but like the gifts from your Saturn return? Well, it's it's very subtle for me. I think that um, obviously the album came out and all those songs have to do with different experience that I've that I had during my Saturn return. Um, so I'm grateful that I was able to have those songs for reference because the songs are really my teachers. You know, the songs are like my, my, uh, they're singing me, you know, they're singing to me. So I'm grateful for that. But for me, it was kind of a, not to bring it back there, but surrendering, you know, mm-hmm. 
into myself and because I, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, to be maybe to, to be things that I'm not, you know. And when I went through my Saturn return, those things kind of fell away. And I was able to breathe a little bit because I had a, a little bit of a deeper understanding of who I am and what's my path, you know. Yeah. on this journey and that was such a relief you know because I think all of us in some sense you know we put so much pressure on ourselves some more than others and I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself but it was I was putting pressure on myself to be in a way that maybe wasn't my way mm. and uh, because I thought that it was right and the other thing was wrong you know so to be able to let that go and just be you know, and and listen to learn how to listen to my own heart and guidance like this was really the the the, the gift, you know. And it's a process that's still happening, but at least it its intensity kind of really happened during those few years. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'm 27 right now. I'm about to be. Oh, so you're going in. You might yeah. already be in. My birthday's on the twenty or my birthday's on thirtieth and I'm gonna be twenty eight, so I'm probably in, yeah, it you're in. around yeah, it. Yeah. What yeah. are your what are your words of wisdom for going in for me and anyone who might be going in or in it? Well, it's funny because my wife I, as soon as I got out, my wife went in. You know, and it lasts, it lasts, you know, three years. So it won't reach its intensity till it's like 20, you're like 29 or something like this. But all of your, you know, everybody's Saturn return is different, right? Mine was a little more intense because of the position of some of my planets, right? But a lot of beautiful things happen, like, you know, during your Saturn return. It's just a time of change. I think it's a time of great growth. And there's nothing you can really do, you know, to prepare for it. You just have to, I think, let it happen. Yeah. You yeah. know, just let it happen. You know, it's funny. I, I, When we were in India a year ago, I was in my Saturn return. And I went to a family's home in Calcutta and and the grandmother was cooking for me and she was very cultured, very spiritual lady. And we entered this conversation and I was, you know, kind of just laying down my trip to her, you know, about this and that and what do I do and blah, 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 blah. And she just looked at me, she said, you just let it happen. <laughs> and those three, it's such a simple, you know, saying, you know, but it had so much power behind it. And yeah. I I think about that line so much. You know, we meet people in our lives like strangers. You know, that was the only time I saw her. I was with her for like two hours. But And they can say one thing to us that will stay with us forever. So that, with your Saturn return, you just let it happen. Yeah. It's you know, funny, the name that. of this podcast is Let It Out. So it's kind of, there you go. Kind of a similar thing. There you go, yeah. 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 Do you know where your Saturn sits or no? I I'm gonna look it up right after this. Yeah, I, you have yeah, you have to yeah. have your birth time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna look it up because now I'm really curious. So obviously you're pretty into astrology. 
how did you get into it and what is maybe other than Saturn returns what is another great lesson that astrology has given you well I I didn't really get into it by choice (laughs) you know I'm a I'm I'm a spiritual guy but I don't really like any like hocus pocus type stuff Mm -hmm. like I'm kind of skeptical in that sense and I think I had this perception of astrology as kind of being a little woo-woo you know like and um not that I didn't believe it but it just I just thought oh it's not for me that's too like you know whatever and I was on tour and I was having lots of problems with my health and all these things which was part of my Saturn return and friend had um had had written me as a gift he said oh as a gift I want to gift you a session with my astrologer and I was like oh god I don't want this mm-hmm. you know but he but I didn't want to be rude you know and and not accept his gift you know so I said okay like said you know so I called in is her, her name's Deborah Silverman she's a very famous astrologer she was like Sting's astrologer like this and I called in and she didn't know you know I just gave her my birth time and where I was born and and um she just in that hour she just blew my mind she read me like a book she knew all the things that I get tripped up on and and she had amazing advice on how to what to do like this and she said do you know that you're in your you're just entering your Saturn return it's so funny that we're having this session you know and you're just entering I said no I don't know and if I didn't have her and her guidance oh man I'd be in a I think I'd be in a pretty rough spot Mm -hmm. because she really helped me you know but I think with astrology um she's kind of become like our godmother now she's we're very close to her and um you know, the astrology gave me the gift of being in the witness, you know, and and looking at this chart and how each planet makes up a certain part of our personality, right? It helped me step into the witness and look at myself from a, a neutral point of view. Like Ramdas has a meditation where he just repeats over and over, I am loving awareness. Mm. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And it allowed me to look at myself not from a judgmental point of view, but from a place of kind of loving awareness. And to not beat myself up so much over like this certain part of myself or that certain part and learn how to not so much be controlled so much, you know, just just witness, just witness, just witness. Um that has been really healing for me and really to understand myself and to understand how I'm made up. And also, you know, I, I was learning astrology from Dev and I've took her courses and I've read so many people's charts since that time. It's become like a hobby of mine. And to read other people's charts, read like my parents' charts, right? And all the things that kind of annoyed me about my parents, you know, I can see, oh, that's just how they're made up yeah you know like it it, an element of compassion comes in and all the things that i love about my parents right i'm like oh that's so beautiful because they have this aspect 
you know, that makes them very special, right? So it was just a, it's just been a very cool journey, a very cool hobby, and um, I'm grateful for it to come into my life. Yeah, I like that it's much like a, you know, in a similar way as like a personality test, not to be like I'm a, I'm a victim of my planets, but to use it as right. information about yourself and the people yeah, around you. So you can yeah. navigate, you know, being a person in the world. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back a little bit further. So you mentioned, we talked about astrology and how you got into that, but you mentioned Ramdas and so many other spiritual concepts are obviously rooted in your, your work and in your life. So you grew up in South Carolina. What was your childhood like and what was your relation to both music and spirituality growing up? Well, my childhood was very blessed. I mean, I my parents are amazing and very loving and supportive and Do you have brothers um, and sisters? I have a younger sister who's an angel and um yeah, we we grew I grew, Hilton Head is a small town. You know, it's very small, and um, the community is very tight. Like, it's the type of thing where you, like, go to the coffee shop and you, like, know everybody, like, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, growing up there, it's it's very beautiful, you know, as far as the earth goes. There's lots of things to do outside. So I really grew up a lot in the earth, which was really important for me and very medicinal for me. And um, and my dad is a musician, so ever since I was born, music has just been uh, everywhere. Oh, you wow. know, so mu- music is just like life, like it's inseparable for me. It was what just kind always. What musician is he? He's a drummer. Okay. Yeah, he's a drummer, and um, you know, he really, you know, we had instruments all over the house, and it was just what it was, you know. It's like life and music, inseparable. Um, and music really helped. Music, I, I ever, you know, I just would always be listening to music or playing music like this. It was just my way of kind of escaping. It was my way of searching myself. It was my way of exploring my consciousness. It was just like so many things for me. What were you listening to back then? So anything. I was, I was listening to, you know, my dad was really into like, the Doobie Brothers and the Allman Brothers, and um, I was listening to them, and then I was listening to, like, the Fugees, you know, and then I was listening to, like, you know, 311 or Bob Marley, and then I was listening to, like, Simply Red or, like, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like, it it just didn't matter. I just loved music, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, it was just really beautiful. But growing up in that place... You know, I went to like a prep school, you know, khaki pants, collared shirt, have to have your shirt tucked in, dress code, like this. Um, and it was very like, okay, you, you go to school, you know, you play a sport, whatever it is, you graduate, you go to college, preferably in the South, you know, it was it was just kind of everybody, you know, da, 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 that was... Better. Yeah, yeah. And I I just hated that. I hated it. I was a rebel. I was always searching for something else. And I had a different kind of hunger. And I didn't know what that hunger was, but I just knew that this could not be 
it. You know, this cannot be it. You know, and we're I'm growing up is very it's very affluent place, right? And and very big tourist place and lots of golf and tennis and that was kind of the thing, you know. And you know, I think in the West, like we learn, like oh, like grow up and like money, like if you have money and like a nice big house and kids, like it's success, you know, it's happiness. But growing up as a kid, you know, like I'd grow up and people would have all these things and they'd be miserable. And my friend's parents would get divorced and fight. And I was like, this can't be it. You know, this isn't it. So that kind of planted this really burning seed in my heart of like, I have to, I have to find, I have to find it. I know it's out there. I hope it's out there, but I have to find it, you know, but, but that place Hilton Head wasn't, wasn't giving that to me yeah so i had to i had to leave yeah were you two things were you playing music throughout prep school and what was your spirituality growing up as a kid are are your parents (laughs) religious what was kind of implanted from a young age well i was definitely playing music i mean that was my medicine that was my thing of that was my way out you know while i was there and um it was very important to me. Every day after school, I'd come home, I'd lock myself in the playroom, and I'd just play and write songs and, you know, just play, play, play. So it was it was my thing, for sure. And um, my my dad is a is very spiritual person, um, Christian man, plays drums in church, you know, um, but not like very like rigid at all just very open very loving and he's like a little he's like a child you know he's like a, a innocent child he's just such a loving person and and very magnetic everybody loves my dad like this and my mom is not religious she doesn't really go to church or things like this but very very spiritual and loves being in the earth and outside like this so they're both extremely liberal you know um and didn't push me into any way or anything like this so um i had the freedom to kind of do my own thing search my own way i guess are they still in south carolina and hilton yeah they're still there yeah they still live there what do they and your sister think of your music and your success what is their reaction to it all then well, they're like my biggest fans. Yeah. Like they don't I mean, they probably enjoy the rock and roll like kind of life more than I do. <laughs> you know, they just love the whole thing. They love going to shows. They'll come on tour, you know, for a week or still follow us on tour for like a week at a time. They're just the best. You know, they're the best. That's so fun. How often do you get to see them and and what does your sister do i don't get to see them as much as i'd like um just because they're so busy but i get to see them you know three or four times a year maybe yeah and um my sister um she just got engaged and they yeah her and her uh, fiance live in charlotte and um so they live close to my parents, so they get they get to see each other a little more. But 
um, you know, we just try to make it work. If yeah. we're on tour, we usually go back for the holidays. That's kind of a must, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I heard, and I'm sure they're, they're so proud of you just in general and, and also because of this, I heard that the beginning of your early music career was pretty tumultuous with record labels and getting your work out in the world. Can you start, can you talk a bit about your start and what that time was like for you mentally? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had left Hilton Head and gone to a boarding school in California it, because it was an art school. It was an arts high school, boarding school. And it really changed my life because it was the complete opposite of Hilton Head. You know, and it was where Hilton Head was focused, didn't have any really focus on any type of art. You know, this school was all about focusing on the arts and, and being creative. And, and it was an international school. So it just burst my whole world open. Very Some of the best years of my life there. And um, while I was there, I was, you know, I was writing music and making album like this and going down to L.A., you know, every weekend or every other weekend. And um, the word, I guess, kind of spread and, and record companies started coming around and I met with all the major labels. I met with all the presidents, all like this, and we kind of narrowed it down to two uh, labels that we liked, Columbia and Geffen, and they kind of battled it out, you know. And we ended up signing a deal with Geffen Records my senior year of high school. Wow. So, so I, I, you know, I didn't go to college. I just graduated high school and I moved to L.A. 18 years old and got a shitload of money, you know, and thought this is it. Like I'm gonna, I've, I'm gonna like be like famous. You know, <laughs> but I like it, it was awful. You know, I was 18 years old. I had this big apartment on the beach, but I didn't know anybody. I had no friends because I went to a boarding school. So it's not like, you know, you graduate school and people are still in your town. You right. know, I couldn't, you know, so I wasn't in school, so I couldn't meet anybody. I, I, uh, you know, I couldn't go to any, like, bars or anything because I was 18. And I was in the city, and I was just miserable. Mm. And I was extremely lonely, and I thought, man, I should be happy, right? You know, I, I like, have this record deal, and I'm making music. But it was a lonely time. And, and then, you know, I made this album, and... Uh, the record company had a change of presidency, right? So everything got put on hold. So then my, you know, musical, I guess, process got put on hold and and um, they, that album ended up getting shelved, which means, you know, they keep it and they don't release it, you know? And so a year went by and the new president came in and he wanted me to record another album. So I recorded another album and that album also got shelved. And then I got dropped, My you know, gosh. from the label. And I'm like, you know, 19 years old, you know. And then all this money that I had, you know, I, I had no responsibility. I no Nobody that young should have that much money. You know, I just blew it, you know, on like this big apartment and like, you know, whatever it was, 
I was smoking a lot of weed at that time. And it just it just disappeared, and then I was broke. Um, so it was it was a it wasn't like very fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you come out of that? Kind of what what happened next? Well, I, you know, through these dark times, you know, that's kind of the theme right now. Um, beautiful things happen, you know, mm-hmm. and I ended up because I I had visited this temple in Laguna Beach, which is only like an hour from LA, um, while I was in high school, this this Kali temple. And I was very taken by this temple and all the people there. So while I was living in LA, I would drive down there all the time because I was lonely. I also like, you know, so, like little things, like I didn't know how to cook, you know, and because I was 18, like boy, like whatever. And they would always serve me food. So I was hungry. So I'd always go down there to eat, you know. And um, they would always just show me so much love in this. And I was very interested in this path, you know, this this divine mother like this. So when I ran out of money, I moved down to Laguna Beach and got a very small studio apartment there. And I was going to the that temple every day and just hanging out and learning and like this. And then then I was so broke that I couldn't afford to pay my rent anymore. I had like $900 to my name, something like this. And um, the temple said, well, you're here every day. Why don't you just stay here until you get back on your feet? Wow. You can stay here as long as you want, two weeks, month, doesn't matter. Right. So I said, okay. So I moved in because I had no other option, really. I moved in and I didn't leave for seven years. (laughs) So I lived in the ashram for seven years while I was, you know, touring and being a musician like this. So that was the biggest blessing of my life. They're like, it's like the foundation. So is that what really opened you up to spirituality and Eastern concepts and and things that are now, you know, kind of a cornerstone of your practice and your music? Yeah, well, in high school, in the at that boarding school, I had it started for me a little bit. Um, I, 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 I saw a picture of Neem Karoli Baba, this very famous Indian mystic. And, and that was it for me. I felt this attraction. And because, so it kind of started up there. I was reading a lot about Maharaji and a lot about India and stuff like this. And then, but when I went to, yes, when I went to the temple and I started living in the temple, it became very deep for me, part of my life. And my music started to change and like this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then what happened next? So you, you get that huge record deal, you get all that money, you lose it, you make the album, you lose the second album, and then now you have so many albums. Your work is everywhere, and it's so wonderful and deep. So what happened What happened next? How did you end up getting your work out there after that? Well, when I got dropped, it was actually kind of a celebration for us because, you know, while we were on this label... They, we recorded this album, they shelved it. We recorded another album, they shelved it. Like, I couldn't release anything because they had control, 
So when they dropped me, I was free. So it was actually a, a good, it was actually a happy time for me, you know. So right when we, right when we uh, got dropped, I just recorded an album very cheaply through a friend of a friend, and we put that out. And that got the attention of a smaller, uh, more indie label called Vanguard. And they, they came to a show and said, why don't you come by the offices? And at first I was like, no way, like I'm never signing a record deal again, you know, because I, I had this whole experience. But they're like, no, no, we're different. We're not a major label. Like, just, just come and hang out. And I went to their offices and I was like, oh, man, this, this is really cool. Like, these people are like kind of like a little family very down to earth, just seem like, like normal human beings. And so we signed a deal with them. And that's what the past, you know, four albums had been released, you know, the self-titled, then we did everything, every time, everywhere, chapter of the forest and Kala. So wow. that was, they were, that was very, very blessing for me to sign with them and finally, you know, get the music out there. Yeah. What year was that, that that first album came out? That was in 2009, the first album came out, I believe, yeah. I think I found you soon after that, and at my yoga studio, they would play your music, and then I loved Uh it so much, and I would play it when I was teaching, and it's so cool that it it made its way when it was meant to, and and now I I really want to talk about your newest album, and it's so great, and it conveys the deep vulnerability of moving through the unknown as opposed to playing it safe, which I think we were kind of talking about at the beginning. And I relate to so much right now. And I think we all can as humans, but maybe, maybe me more so right now because of my Saturn return that I just learned about. But (laughs) it's, it's such a great concept for the new album. Could you talk about it a bit in your own words and how it's a departure from your previous work? Well, the the last the two albums before this one were quite um, stripped down sonically, right? They were much simpler. I recorded them. I mean, I, I, I made the demos, everything in my own home, you know, and um, it was very healing for me to kind of simplify everything. And um, they were much more acoustic, you know, much more, yeah, simple like this. Um and then this album, The Fruitful Darkness, sonically it's different because I, I wanted to kind of go into the dark in the sonic world and use things that, sounds and elements that I've never used before. And I've always kind of had, you know, at home I'll make my own songs and stuff and I've always had this kind of, not like electronic element, I guess, to some of my songs, but I never release them because I'm too scared because I think, oh, like this is not like the, the the Trevor Hall that people know, right? Mm-hmm. And this album, I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm yeah. just gonna go for it, and I'm gonna surrender to my fear, and I'm just if this moves me, I'm gonna I want I want to step into the unknown, you know, I want to step into the unknown. So I I I worked with this amazing kid his name's sean bow this producer in la and we really had we hit it off and we had this thing and and we just went for it and we 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 used sounds and elements that i'd never used before so it's different in that way 
that it's a little more produced um, and experimental than than the last two albums. Um, it's different also from on another level because it's it's my first independent release. So we had the freedom to really release it the way we wanted to and kind of call all the shots. And that's why we've released it in parts. There's no, there's four parts. The first three are out. The part four will come out in a couple months. But we we put three to four songs on each part. And then we put we release these parts on the full moon, sig- cool. signifying the the fruit in the darkness, right? And the reason I did this is because sometimes, you know, our times are changing, you know, where we don't really have the same attention span as we once did. And when we release an album, 12, 13 songs, you know, most people don't make it through the whole album. You know, even me, if I like a new album comes out, it's hard for me to make it through the whole album, even if the album is amazing, you know. So I didn't want that to happen with this. And I wanted each song to get its proper space. I didn't want any songs to get lost. So that's why we broke it up. That's and we really broke cool. and did it in these parts, you know. Um, so it's different in that sense, you know, as well. I love um, that. It gives people yeah. something to look forward to. How have the parts that are out so far, how have they been received? Has anything surprised you? Yeah, it's been crazy. I, I, it's been amazing to be independent. At the same time, it's definitely a lot more work, you know. And um, I think the most amazing thing for me is that you know we, our community, the villagers, they we crowdfunded this, this album. So whereas before, you know, we, you know, you make an album and it's kind of in secrecy until it comes out and then people hear it. You know, where this album, it was like we were building it together and people were getting the songs as they were ready and stuff like this. Yeah. And um, it's, I think people have really felt that sense of community and connection around this album more than other albums. And I think that's really special. Are you touring right now? Have you been performing it? Yeah, we just got back, a, you know, a week ago and we leave in a couple of weeks to do Europe. And then we come back from Europe and we, you know, we're buzzing around the States and, and Canada. So we're, we're definitely in a busy time right now. Yeah. Wow. So you just mentioned touring and obviously you travel a ton. How do you stay grounded? What are some of your routines traveling and, and not it? A question I usually ask on this podcast is everyone about their both morning and evening routines, maybe the sharing the first three or four things you do when you wake up in the morning and the last two things you do in the evening. Can you talk about, you know, kind of the Mm -hmm. traveling version of that and the home version of routine for you? Well, when I'm at home, I'm, you know, I, every morning, no matter what, I always take a shower. Um, Just, it's just like my thing. Like even if I've showered the night before, it's just a thing to like cleanse and, um, and then I sit. Um, and at home, I can I have the freedom to sit longer, you know, because I have time and um, don't have to jump in a van to go to the next city, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm able to sit longer, and I try to take advantage of that time because it's important to me. Um, and then, you know, the day happens like this, and then usually in the evening time we practice some yoga, and then we eat dinner and watch Netflix. <laughs> so we usually just try to rest, you know, and get our mana back. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, when I'm on the road... Yeah, so when I'm home, I like to try to be in a routine because when you're on the road, it's there's not much of a routine. It's just kind of go, go, go. But when I'm on when I'm on the road, I do always every morning I always take a shower and I sit. I don't sit as long, you know, but I always sit and I do my minimum practice. Um and that helps me just keep grounded and stay in the flow. Yeah. Um but the main thing for me is, you know, being on the road, you know, sometimes like in the past, you know, like I'll, we're about to go on tour and I'll be like, oh, man, OK, I'm going to do this, this, this. And this is going to like help me stay grounded. And I'm going to do this and I'm only going to eat this and blah, 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 blah. And then you get on the road and you find you can't do those things. And then you get frustrated. Yeah. And then you get like this, like you get down on yourself and and that throws you off balance right and yeah. for me the thing that i do on the road is try to just surrender and be in the moment and that's yeah. how i stay grounded and not be attached to my plans and not be attached to how i think the day should go and you know it's a time of flow and that's what i think the road teaches us or any type of travel it teaches us to just let the the way you know guide yeah. us you know so it's really healthy yeah yeah i i love that so when you're on the road does your wife travel with you she usually travels with us yeah because she's you know she's in charge of all of our like social media and um she's a photographer so she takes lots of pictures and video for us and um so she's usually out on the road with us that's nice that you guys get to be together. Yeah. I'd love to talk about relationships a little bit. How did you and your wife meet? We met in India, actually. Um, I was going to India, you know, for every year. Um, that was kind of like my, my vacation every year to myself. I'd always go during December and January. And... Um, our ashram there, we t our Guruji takes care of these young kids, these orphan children, um, or children that come from kind of tough backgrounds. He takes them in and clothes them and feeds them and shelters them all like this. So the first time I went there, 2007, ever since that time, we've been just humbly raising money for Guruji and sending the money to him to take care of the kids. Like we'll put like a, we have like a donation box out at shows, like just very simple. And, you know, one night you'll get a few bucks and the next night you get a few bucks and then you get home and you realize, oh, I got a few hundred dollars here, you know, to send to Guruji. And it goes a long way in India, yeah. especially especially for that type of community, a poor community. So anyway, I, we were doing this and... Um, my wife's fa my wife's family were very generous in their support for the kids and i had met her mom and her sisters before i met her and um 
and we were staying in contact because they were sending us money like this. And then... Um, because they knew you from your music? Yeah, they were fans, yeah. And mm -hmm. they were coming to shows, and then they got involved with the children and um, were very supportive. And so then I was going to India, and her mom said, oh, my daughter is going to be in India. My other daughter is going to be in India. Maybe she can come and see the ashram. And I saw, and I thought, yeah, of course she can come. But I never thought that in a million years she would come because India is humongous. So I don't know what part of India she's going to be in. Yeah. And also, our ashram is is not on the tourist, you know, track. Yeah. I mean, it's very off the path, you know. So I said, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, she can come. And um, I was in India, and she emailed me, and she said, I'm in Benares, which was only like three hours from our ashram. And so she came. Oh, wow. She came for, she came for a couple of days and met the kids and, and our Guruji, and that was it. And that's where we met. And then when we got back to the States, we just stayed in touch, and that's how it kind of happened. Were you living in the same place when you started dating? And how did you know that it was the person that you wanted to be with, that she was your person? Well, I we kind of skipped like the whole dating thing. I was never really a good dater. You know, like I just felt like this is so like weird. I'm just like sniffing out this person and this yeah. person's like sniffing me out. Like I just I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And I was living in the ashram, you know, so I wasn't, I didn't have a girlfriend for like eight years. I wasn't with a girl for that long because I was living in the ashram. Yeah. You know, so I had, I, when she came along um, and we were talking and like this, I mean, I, I just knew, like, I was like, okay, like, this is it, wow. you know, because I was, I was very clear, I felt like. And, um, and I just, that was it. I mean, we only were together for like eight months and then we went back to India and I proposed and that was it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how long ago was that? How long have you guys been that married? That was in 2000. We got married in 2013. So it's been about five years. Wow. So yeah. What is your greatest lesson on relationships, on romantic relationships? Like, how does it work well with you guys? Well, it's 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 um, it's not all like you know flowers and <laughs> and daisies. I mean, it's you know your partner is your partner. You know, they're they're the mirror, mm. and when you when you and you're that person's mirror, and when you enter into a relationship, that person is going to show you parts about yourself that you didn't even know about and show you your own patterns that you didn't even know that you were in, you know. And so um, there, it, it, can be a, it can be tough to look at, you know. And, um, but, that, but that's the struggle and that's the that's the the glory of relationship is to have your intention i think be 
to support each other's own awakening. Um, that's definitely been, I think, the greatest gift of being married for me is um, having a partner, you know, somebody that I can lean on and that and that person can lean on me, but also to show me parts about myself that I would have never known yeah. if I didn't, if I didn't, if I wasn't with that person, you know. So that's, I think, the the greatest thing yeah. for me. Yeah, that mirror thing is crazy. It's like it's kind of like a Saturn return. Like it's so good and helpful, but can be so uncomfortable. And so yeah, to, yeah, to absolutely. I think especially like if you're in like a relationship that is like you're both are kind of very deep and spiritual people, and you're both working towards yeah. like becoming better people or becoming deeper in your own spirituality. It's different than you're just like oh you're just a couple and. Like, you just want to, like, whatever, just or do just, whatever. Or just you're two people trying to be better at being themselves. You know, that's kind of how I think of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which is really the same thing. So I want to talk a bit about anxiety. And you, you spoke so eloquently on my friend Jordan's podcast earlier this year about how, as a culture, we're experiencing more anxiety as people and how so many you know, white people are drawn to indigenous teachings and, and ancient teachings. Can you talk a bit about that and what you meant? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for me, it's because I've had anxiety, um, deep anxiety in my past and not really known where it's come from and, and know a lot of people with anxiety and depression and these yeah. types of things and I don't know like you know in my generation I guess and even like the generations that are coming um, I feel like you know we're in this this crazy time here where there's so much mental illness or there's so much um, lack of connection you know and we all want that connection, but we're doing it in in such a weird way. And you really only see it, I think, not only see it, but it's very prevalent in the West, you know. And we, as a culture, you know, success is like, you know, we're like, oh, we're so, our communication is so amazing, right? Like, here we are, I'm like talking to you on my computer on you know with no c cables plugged into it you know and i can see your face if i want to you know we put on the webcam yeah. like this you know like or i can facetime my dad right now it doesn't matter where he is you know and we're like oh we're so connected you know but we're not connected we you know we're able to go on our facebook and you know, write people messages and, and friend these people. But when it comes to real life, you know, being with people and hearing people out and and serving people and talking with people, we isolate ourselves, you know. And we, we have these, you know, these big homes, you know, with the fence around them and we don't want anybody to come, you know. It's, it's just very interesting, and I think that we do, we have all these things, 
whatever we do these things and we realize oh we're still we still feel so alone and that that loneliness i think creates isolation which creates depression which creates anxiety like like this i i do believe that like a lot of these things come from our lack of human connection or connection with spirit right yeah so as a result you know we look to these cultures where that connection was never broken right that umbilical cord to the earth to the spirit to each other was never broken those indigenous cultures whether it be native american culture whether it be aboriginal culture whether it be hawaiian culture whether it be indian culture like this and the ironic thing is that all these cultures are the cultures that our ancestors persecuted you know yeah and now all all our all these kids all of us now are coming back around to them and saying hey i'm sorry like show me the way yeah it's a crazy thing it's crazy. Yeah. It's totally crazy. Because as a Western culture, we look, oh, what is my culture? We have no culture. We have no culture. And we, so we look to these people that have never lost their culture and have kept it alive, you know. And it's just amazing to me. It's just so amazing to see that circle, you know, come back around, yeah. you know. And um, and for us as a generation, you know, whether it be with like Standing Rock and like, you know, all these things, just we're coming around and we're saying, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Like, can you show me how yeah. to the way, you know, the, these cultures that have never lost connection with the earth that have a like open communication, you know. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. I really yeah. love how you articulate all of that. It, yeah. It's a helpful, it's a very useful way to look at something that is very clearly happening. And yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I could talk to you forever. I, I think I want to wrap up with some, <laughs> some quick fire questions if that will do these somewhat as quick fire. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. I'll try my best. I'm, <laughs> I'm a talker. Well, take your time. I just don't want to keep you super long. Um, but, yeah, take your time. I, I want as long as we've got. So <laughs> one thing we, we always talk about in this podcast is body image. And, you know, as people, as women especially, our bodies and how we look in the world is something, mm. you know, we, we are constantly taught to think about. So working, you know, in the entertainment industry and just, you know, being a person in the world, can you talk about your relationship to your body and how it's evolved and what's helped you and you know what do you do when you're having you know maybe a bad body image moment how do you shift or out of that or how have you kind of handled that um i don't know for me i i don't really like i think i haven't really thought about it too much i was always just kind of like is this shirt clean mm -hmm. like okay it's clean put it on you know, um, and yeah, I don't know. I was never like my sister was always trying to like 
dress me and stuff. Now I have an amazing wife that knows what's cool and what's not cool, you know. But um, but it's my my my. I've learned that it's important, you know. Um, you know, even my Guruji said, you know, if you see, if you if you see a person, let's see, you know, it's like how we look. It's not important, but it is important, right? It's like both, because he's saying if you see, if you're walking down the street and you see a monk dressed in orange robes, you're gonna relate to that person in a different way than you would a, somebody that's dressed like a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, that that clothing and that image is going to invoke certain qualities within your own self, right? So when you see somebody dressing like very scary, you know, you get you it invokes fear. You know, it's just simple like that. So I've always I've always tried to um dress I think guess like I want to say like in a pure way I guess I don't know like in in a clean way you know a simple way hoping that because it helps my mind you know it helps I'm not I'm the type of guy that like I don't want like any like a lot of different types of styles or clothes I just want very simple you know where I just feel clean and like this um I don't know I'm not really good in this subject but I think with with our culture today, um, especially surrounding, like, I guess you're saying women and body consciousness like this, it's just tough to see, you know. I think that our society is kind of portrayed like this, like, you know, you see these girls or, or women that, that are just, you know, bone thin and and wearing clothes that show everything pretty much. And that it's just, it's just, um, this is the idea of like sexy and beauty. And, it, and if this isn't it, if it's not like this, then it's not beautiful or it's not sexy or it's not like this. That's the part that just drives me completely mad, you know. And I feel bad for like a lot of, I guess, people, I guess, that buy into that. Even with yeah. men, too, like what's cool and what's not cool. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's tough to see. Yeah, yeah. Our standards of beauty really need to shift and having conversations like that, which is why I always bring this up, I think helps. It yeah. helps a lot of people to, to know that you feel that way about it. I think. Yeah, it's interesting too because like like when I go to like India, you know, and I meet a person um like a a yogi, right? A baba who's covered in ash, right? From his fire. And his hair is like completely unkept and he has n- no teeth and he's wearing like a ripped cloth and he's the most beautiful person I've ever seen yeah that makes me think about where does beauty come from beauty comes from the luminous self within each one of us see we have it backwards right we think oh beauty comes from the outside we, if we do all this stuff right 
but there's no life there. You can almost see it sometimes, you know. Yeah. But when you see somebody like, for I'm just using this example because it's happened to me, like a Baba or something like this, where they're so luminous and so beautiful, and the outside is completely, we would say, oh, he's so dirty like this, but you feel, oh my gosh, this person is so beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's that we have to pay attention to that. Yeah, that's really interesting. It, it can transcend all the standards of beauty or culture or anything. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. What's the, your favorite part of your life right now? My favorite part of my life? Yeah. Um, I think like being in the mountains because it's very new for us to live in the mountains. I've always been near the water and ocean, surfer like this. And to be in the mountains and to be in a place that really feels like home is uh, special. How did you decide to live in Boulder? And what should I do next week when I'm there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we... We were, you know, we're like gypsies, you know, and um, we were living in L.A. just because it was convenient for our work and all this type of stuff, but we didn't have to be there. And we really wanted to be in a place that was easy for us to be in the earth quickly, you know. And we had been coming here a long time. I've been playing here a long time, and I have family here, and my wife has family here, and we both have friends here in community, so it kind of just checked all the boxes. And um, it was the best thing we ever did, really. Cool. Last year, yeah. What are some of your favorite spots in Boulder or things that yeah. people slash me should do next week? Yeah. Well, one of our favorite spots is a place called Wonder. Oh, yeah. It's on my it's list. Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we literally go there like every other day. We Maybe like, I'll no. see you. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you'll see see us there, but um, we go there quite a bit. And um, some of my favorite things are, you know, have to do with the, you know, getting out in the earth. There's a there's a, a lookout called like the Gulch Lookout, I think it is, where you drive up the mountain and you can watch the sunset um, over the mountain range. It's just it just clears my head and. It just is so magical. And it's only, you know, 20, 30, 20 minutes up the road. Um, but, like, places we liked, you know, we, we're kind of like recluse, you know, because when we're home, it's a gift to not travel. Um, so we like to, you know, ride our bikes, different places. But as far as places we like to go, yeah, we love Wonder. We love uh, a restaurant called Kathmandu because it just is super good and it reminds us of Nepal. And um, yeah, what else do we like to do? We like to go see music when our friends are in town. But a lot of it has to do with, yeah, our, our favorite place to take a walk is Wonderland Lake. That's a nice little walk up in the mountains. So I am taking note. Yeah, Wonderland Lake is very sweet. It's just a simple, you can park right there and then walk around the lake. It's nice. Cool. Yeah. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Best thing I've eaten in the last week is Kathmandu. Mm. Indian food? It's Nepali, yeah, Nepali Indian food, yeah. Cool. Same, same. 
Okay, this is really just a question for you to recommend things in different categories, but I usually frame it this way. So you're trapped on a deserted island and you can only bring uh-huh. with you one TV show, one movie, one piece of music, one book, one Whoa. food. <laughs> I'll take you through it. Um, okay. And and one person. So what would you recommend? So these can be like all-time favorites or something okay. new that you want to recommend. You can recommend a couple. It's really just a way to recommend things and people and and, okay. and art so cool. so start with tv show tv show i would take um god i'm like a i like i watch a lot of tv shows yeah name so. a couple what are you watching um well we just finished last night wild wild country which was so creepy Ooh, is that you netflix? know about that no it's on netflix yeah and it just came out and it's about osho slight community oh yeah, yeah it's it's creepy so we watched that but i don't i would never take that to like a deserted right. island um but it was good it was super good definitely really you should definitely watch that um i we i mean we like we like homeland i like like espionage type stuff you know yeah. um but um we like mozart in the jungle um, which is on Amazon. Um, what else? Got I'm drawing a blank here because I'm usually like what so are some good. Of your, like, all-time oh, like one favorite. of my favorites. Sh- oh, honestly, one of my all-time favorite shows is Top Chef. Oh, cool. I are love. Are you a big cook? I'm get. My wife is 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 a really good cook, and she loves cooking. And I'm getting more into it now. Um, but Top Chef, I've just I always loved that show. Cool. Yeah. What about movie? What's your all-time favorite or something you watched recently that you loved, something you want to recommend um, to people? I love um, A Bronx Tale. Um, I love um, – one of my favorite movies is Ratatouille. I just oh, love that. You like food content. Oh, yeah, I like food content. I like yeah. that about you. It's yummy. It's yummy. Yeah. That is yeah, a really love, cute movie. I love Ratatouille. Um, I like a lot of chick flicks. So. Me too. Me too. <laughs> what do you like? Tell me more. So, like, I like, um, God, like, Notting Hill. It's such oh, it's good, so good. <laughs> such a good movie. I've seen it, like, a million times. Like, Pretty Woman, I could watch, like, forever. Julie Roberts fan. Yeah, Julia Roberts is is the jam. Have you seen uh, my best friend's wedding? Oh, of course. Come I on. think that's maybe the best romantic comedy. Yeah, that's ever. one. Of, that's it's a like good one. Such a classic, I think. Yeah, yeah. So any type of rom com I'd bring. That makes me so happy. That makes <laughs> you got like twelve more points in this <laughs> podcast for that. Like, and you are already killing it. So this is yes, good beyond beyond. <laughs> Um, okay, what about a food that you'd never get sick of, like your last meal food or something you'd, you'd want with you? Um, I would eat kitchery every day because I could eat kitchery every day anyway. It's so good. There's this really great um, Ayurvedic restaurant in my neighborhood. If you're ever in New York, oh, yeah. have you been to Divya's Kitchen? Oh, yeah. I Actually, it's so funny you said that because when we were there last in the fall, we were playing at Irving Plaza uh-huh. and we um, postmated kitchery from there and it was oh. one of the best kitcheries i've had oh cool well next time in new york we'll have so, to go yeah, yeah 
That place is really good. Yeah, she's really cool, and she she did the podcast. We actually did a live episode there. So next time in New, cool. you're in New York, we'll have to get together and go. It's it's such a cool place, and yeah. you would like it. I get takeout from there all the time too, but the actual restaurant's really beautiful and how it's decorated. It's really calm in there. I think you'd like it. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I would. I could eat kitchen every day, and everybody knows that about me. Yeah. I love kitchen. It's so good. Okay, what about music? What, what what are some things you want to recommend? What what do you listen to recently? How often uh, do you listen to music as a musician? Right now, I am really obsessed with this rapper named Sampa the Great. She's from Australia. Well, she's was born in Africa, but she's um, from Australia. And it's S A M P A the Great, Sampa the Great, and yeah. she's just incredible like i cannot stop listening to her um that's what i'm listening to now but one of my favorite bands is a band called midnight it's just m-i-d-n-i-t-e and they're a reggae band from saint croix and the the singer is just has such a god rooted like old ancient voice and he's just he's he's just in a trance i just love listening to it it's it's kind of like one of the it's probably like 80% of what I listen to. So I'd bring a lot of Midnight, Sampa the Great. Yeah, into cool. that. What about podcasts? Do you listen to any other podcasts? I, do, I listen to a little bit of podcasts. Like, um, I listen to a lot of like the Ramdas Network mm-hmm. podcasts because they have a lot of great like teachers. Like, one of my favorite persons uh, to listen to is Jack Cornfield. Yeah, he's great. Um, he's just so like sweet and calming, and his voice—he's got great stories, and he's funny and witty. And yeah, um, I really like Jack Cornfield podcasts. Um, I like uh, Kali Mandir, the temple that I um, lived at in Laguna. They have their own podcast, so I listen to a lot of satsang from from their podcasts as well. But um yeah those are probably my two main main go-tos cool yeah i think i must have missed you at the ramdas retreat i was there in 2017 at the um at the winter one oh in hanuman gardens or in maui in maui oh yeah yeah i was at the one before yeah yeah but it was such a great experience and that's where i was introduced to jack cornfield and yeah um, it was Yeah. yeah it was really cool yeah. What about um, one more thing I kind of want to ask about and talk about because it's some these these podcast interviews are always such a mirror of what's going on in my own life. So, how do you feel about decisions and decision making and intuition and being decisive or indecisive? I don't know if it's a Saturn return thing that I'm in or it's just kind of my my thing right now. So I'd love your you know kind of thoughts, advice. Where are you with? decisions and decisiveness (laughs) well i think you're asking the wrong person i'm so bad at making decisions Um, blind leading the blind (laughs) yeah um yeah i i i'm a libra moon so i i'm always like taking in both sides and seeing both sides of the coin i guess which can make it kind of it's it's a good quality but it can make it hard to make decisions um but yeah i think like 
like my wife, for example, is extremely in, in, uh, uh, psychic and, and kind of intuitive. And she'll have a feeling and she'll be like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this, you know. Um, whereas for me, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, I, I some things I don't give a lot of thought to. I'm like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's fine. And some things I, I just can't make a decision to save my life, you know. So it's, I think it has to do with the subject matter. But um, yeah, it's it's that's that's I, I really don't know how to answer the question because yeah. it's I'm, I'm not really the best person at. I don't want to give like some made up answer. Well, that was actually helpful. It makes me feel less alone. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like. You know, the problem is, I think, that, you know, the first time I went to India, I came back, and the next day I woke up and I went to the grocery store. It was the first place I went. And I walked into the grocery store, and I had an anxiety attack, because there were so many choices. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you walk into the bread aisle, there's like 25 different types of bread. Yeah, yeah. It's gluten-free, there's oats, there's seven grain, there's whole wheat, there's white bread, there's flaxseed, you know, you're just like, holy fuck, like, you know, where I just came from a place, right, where you'd walk to the corner vegetable seller and whatever vegetables they have there, that's the vegetables you're going to get. You know, if they don't have carrots, you're not going to eat carrots, you know. So um, I feel like we've been flooded with, like, over-information, you know. Mm-hmm. Our, our society is so big on, like, knowing everything, you know. But we know nothing about ourselves, you know. It's so weird, you know. It, it's like we, we have to explain every little thing, where some things are just better left unexplained, I think, right? But as a result we want to have all the different varieties we want to have it all right you know you're living in new york right like any type of cuisine that you want in this moment you could go get right now because that's how it is you know so it's we're flooded with information we're flooded with choices which i think i don't know if that's natural so i think it's hard for us to make decisions because you know, we're in this place now where we're like, oh my God, like I have like, I can, I have like 11 different choices I can make. Yeah. You know, and so even in a little sense of trying to go buy bread, you know, that's going to affect, it affects you. It affects you. It's like, oh, I don't know what decision to make. I don't know. So when it comes to like even an internal decision, you know, we think, oh, but what are all my options? What are all my options? You know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, and it, I think it causes this decision fatigue. Like you said, we're not, as humans, meant to naturally have this much choice. And in our yeah. society, we do, much like how, you know, we spend a lot of our lives in this fight-or-flight mode that, you know, we aren't meant, is in the state, obviously, we're meant to live in as much as we do. And I think decisions, it's kind of the same thing. It's like we go through this decision-making exhaustion that makes us crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like that decision fatigue. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Trevor. It was a delight talking to you. I had so much yeah, fun. Yeah, I hope you liked it. And the, the name of this podcast, like I mentioned, it's it's called Let It Out. I wrote this book a couple of years ago about journaling, and I'll, I'd love to send you a copy or give you one in Boulder or something. Oh, cool. But do you ever journal? Is that something that you do? Do you obviously write your music, but what is? do you ever write to process things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, big writer, I save all my journals, so I have a whole box of them. Um, that's, yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely important. Oh, wow, cool. I always just love asking about that. But anyway, the, yeah. name of the, the podcast, like I said, is Let It Out. So did I ring you dry? Is there anything else that you wish I would have asked <laughs> that you hoped you would have gotten to talk about or plug? Anything else you want to no, let out? No, I enjoyed it. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Good. Well, thank you. This was great. Um, people can obviously find you on Spotify and iTunes, and I'll have all the links to all your social media and, media and everything, and they should come see you in a show. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be touring a lot this summer, so keep your eyes open. Okay, that was my episode with Trevor Hall. I love him. Check out his music. Check out his new album. I'm it's a delight. I've been listening to it all week and I really enjoy it. Episode 222. This is pretty cool. This is a lucky one for me because it's my lucky number. If you want to support the podcast, support the sponsors, share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to start a podcast yourself, honestly, podcasting has been the greatest thing I've ever done. I think podcasting is the new networking. I think podcasting is a welcome phenomenon that I hope never goes away. And I really don't think it will. I love it so much. And I also love you. Thank you so much for listening. Check out Launchpod. The link is in the show notes. Also follow it on Instagram for updates and you'll learn a lot just there. And the code to get $100 off is let it out and to save money because the early bird special the price is going to go up a hundred dollars so you can actually save 200 if you sign up now and use the code so make sure you do that if you want to do it just sign up now it's easier and i love you guys i'll talk to you next week with a brand new episode the emoji is the lemon because i'm drinking lemon water and that's all i can think of right now i love you guys so much talk to you next week bye This episode is brought to you in part by something I use and love called Acuity Scheduling. It's like a personal assistant for your schedule, only better. With Acuity Scheduling, people can quickly view your calendar in real time and from your availability, select the date and time that works best for them to meet with you. They can even pay in advance if they're booking a session with you and they can cancel or reschedule on their own without having to clog your inbox. With Acuity, you can instantly schedule with real-time availability, meaning no double bookings and no more wasted time. You can set up automatic confirmations and reminders. And what I love most is that you can customize the colors and add your logo. Everything looks super sharp. To try it out, you can get an extended 45-day trial when you sign up totally for free at acuityscheduling.com slash let it out to get that 45-day free trial, go to acuityscheduling slash let it out.
This week's episode is supported by something called Fit Fab Fun. It's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but has a value for over $200. I don't even know how they do that, but that's amazing. And if you use the coupon code let it out, that's let it out, you can get $10 off your first box, which you'll find at www.fitfabfun.com. I think it's a really interesting concept. It's really cool. This Fit Fab Fun box feels like Christmas four times a year when it comes in the mail. And the products include everything from makeup to candles, accessories, self-care products like a massage roller, travel products, beauty finds. It's really great and you can customize the products, add on what you want each season. It's different and it's a surprise. And the thing that I really love is the membership also includes access to FitFab Fun TV, which has a variety of workouts and meditations that you can do anywhere. And I love that because I love to do workout videos at home. I think it's so much fun and I really like Fit Fab Fun and I think you guys will too. Just check it out. Again, you can get $10 off your first box by using the code let it out at checkout. That's let it out. And the items include everything from Tarte Makeup, which is a natural makeup line I like, Juice Beauty, which you know I also really love. There's so many great things in there. It's really fun and I think you guys will really like it. Thanks Fit Fab Fun. The music you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. The album art is by artist Zoe Harmon, and this podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Scharf and hosted by me, Katie Delbout. Check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned. <laughs>